Welcome to Democratically 2020, the podcast all about the politics, policies, and personalities of the 2020 US election. I'm your host, Karen Robinson. So welcome to this very special debate watch episode uh, for the vice presidential debate against Kamala Harris and Mike Pence. I'm joined here by journalist Emma Burnell and writer and commentator Skylar Baker-Jordan. Skylar, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. It's good to be back. Great to have you, Emma. Welcome back. Hiya. Good to be here as always. (laughs) It's always a pleasure. I like it how we get to hang out. It's fab. So... This week, uh, the Vice President uh, Mike Pence faced off against Vice Presidential nominee Kamala Harris um, in what will be the only Vice Presidential debate um, of this uh, campaign campaign season, and possibly one of the last debates we'll have of any kind, since the status of the next presidential debate seems to be really up in the air. Uh, Skylar, have you been keeping up on the uh, drama associated with the with the possible with the well cancellation? It, it now seems of next week's presidential debate. Yes, actually, um, it was the topic of my latest piece in The Independent was why the debate should go on with an empty chair representing Donald Trump. And how an empty chair probably represents this presidency better than anything I can think of. Uh, so I think that it should. And I've, ABC is going to go ahead and do a town hall with Joe Biden the night that the debate was going to be. Um, I think that's great. I would love it if all of the networks simulcast it the way they would a debate. I don't think that's going to happen. But um, we all knew he was going to try and find a way to back out. I mean, I, I think that after the first debate and his abysmal performance and the horrible uh, reaction to it, not just from the chattering classes like me and Emma and you, but also from voters, you know, I think that he, he was always going to try and find a way to weasel out of the second debate. Um, And he has. Yeah. And yet, I mean, if this were, if he were a normal politician and this were a normal election, the rules would seem to say that the candidates that, that is behind should be pushing for more debates and the candidates in the lead, like Biden, should be quite happy to not have the debates happen. So, Emma, isn't it, I mean, just obviously the normal rules of politics say that Trump should be trying to get in front of the American people as much as possible to try and change their perception. He's just not capable of doing that, is he? Um, he only wants to get in front of them in the ways that he can stage manage. So he wants to have these rallies that they can have clips of on the news um, that are about his adoring fans adoring him. He's going to Florida today, I believe, but he must be still contagious. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, killing your own supporters is a hell of a strategy. But <laughs> Skylar's <laughs> um, try, try, choking on his tea. <laughs> But, uh, I, yeah, he, um, I think even he knows that he messed up the last debate. Um, yeah. he, he would never say so out loud. He would never admit that he knows it. But, you know, absolutely no good has come of it for him, for his campaign, for any of the things that they're trying to do. So, um, and I just, he, I don't think he's capable of debating in a way that would change the race because yeah. everyone's kind of, it's all baked in now. Yeah, well, yeah. he could get Biden on the ropes a bit and Biden could flub a bit, but I just don't think people would care all that much. Yeah, I think I think that's right. And I think from Biden's point of view, this is a gift, right? Um, he's in the best possible world because 
Although I think if he did have a debate, it would probably only improve his standings. If you're Biden, you don't want to take any risks right now. You certainly don't want to take any risks with your health. So there is no way that he should appear in person opposite a man who is, you know, has not been. Conf- so they say that the, that the president is going to go out on the campaign again. But we have had no evidence that he's had even one negative test yet. So, I mean, his doctor put out this extraordinary letter where he was like, the president's health is like this, it's like that, his blood pressure is this. I'm like, nowhere in this letter does it say he has tested negative for COVID, yeah. which is really the only relevant information in, in respect of whether or not he's contagious. It's just extraordinary. Anyway, so yeah, it's it's mind-boggling that he's out there again continuing to infect people. Um, so Biden definitely shouldn't agree to that. And he's got nothing to lose. And as you say, Skylar, there's going to be a, an ABC town hall at the time that rather must be. The the president the president first said he you know, so the the Commission on Presidential Debates announced that the debate would be virtual rather than in person. The president came back and said, Oh, I'm not gonna do it if it's if it's virtual, there's no point in that. Then they said they wanted to move the date. Meanwhile, the Biden campaign booked their town hall. He's just played this as badly as he can. And now his campaign has come out and said, oh, no, the debate should go on as it was scheduled. And the, and, and the Biden campaign's like, no, sorry, mate, I've got other plans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you know, um, if he was going to go on to Zoom, fine. But if he wants to do it in person, Biden's like, mate, I'm just not willing to be in a room with you. I've yeah. seen what happens. You are America's bigliest super spreader. I have to say, I think every woman in the world can relate to the fact that the contagious man who shouted at you on your last date does not get a second date. (laughs) (laughs) And he talked over you through the whole thing. Yeah, we. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He shouted at her at, at Biden. He talked over him. What have you? Now, Kamala Harris and Mike and Vice President Mike Pence's debate slash date. (laughs) <laughs> um was a little bit more the same wasn't it Scholar, what were your what were your overall impressions of the debate well you kind of have to come at the vice presidential debate from two different angles one is from sort of uh what we would be accustomed to um in american politics um and then the other is adjusting for you know, the shit show that is the last four, five years. Um, and so judging by the incredibly low standards of the Trump year, that was an amazing debate. They were both adults. No one like held it another, like they got ex- heated exchanges and Mike Pence was, you know, a sexist asshole who talked over Kamala every chance that he got. Uh, the Senator made sure that she pointed that out without, you know, kind of being too, uh, without hitting the nail on the head too close. You know, she did something I think a lot of women have to do, which is kind of address this negative sexist behavior without calling it negative sexist behavior. and While smiling. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so I thought she handled herself uh, wonderfully. Um, and But it, it did feel very sort of, you know, sort of like a throwback to a simpler time (laughs) just sort of the general tone of it it felt very reminiscent of you know maybe like a a debate between john edwards and dick cheney um you know there there was just i don't know there was something refreshing about having two adults having a heated conversation about the future of our country instead of you know what we got in the presidential debate but overall i mean i do want to say that i thought that mike pence 
prove that he's just as dangerous as Donald Trump. You know, he didn't commit to a transition, a peaceful transition of power. Um, he talked at length about um, how, you know, the Democrats were supposedly going to stack the courts without acknowledging what they have done on the Republican side with the judiciary, which has put in ideologues with little to no legal qualifications uh, on the bench. Uh, and their whole purpose is to overturn Roe v. Wade and Obergefell and all of these great civil rights uh, legislations. So I don't know. I mean, Mike Pence in some ways made me more scared. Um, but I, I thought that Senator Harris handled herself, uh, just beautifully. Emma, what were your overall impressions? Yeah, I think Mike Pence is the terrifying glimpse of the fact that Trumpism doesn't begin and end with Trump. Mm. And even if we manage to get rid of him and, you know, there is a new president without too much hassle on the 20th of January, um, that does not mean that the Republican Party is going to go back to normal, whatever that means. Um, you know, they have gone, they've marched so far down this road now. I don't know that they can ever come back. Um, and that, that's not good for democracy, really. There should be an, a, an opposition that isn't willing to just completely lie all the time. Um, there's, you know, there should be two parties, both of whom tell their truths as they see it rather than, uh, you know, deliberately obfuscating and lying all the time. I thought um, Skylar's right about the tone of the debate, um, although I, as I do have issues with a, a lot of the content, um, but it was more like a traditional debate. Uh, I thought Kamala hit her mark pretty well. Um, she had a nice line in, once again, looking down the camera at the American people and talking directly to them. She has a fabulous line in side-eye while, while Mike Pence was talking. <laughs> um, some of her uh, reactions were great. Um, and also, I think kind of some of her reactions were like, oh, give me a break. And mm. it kind of, that was just a way of saying you're lying without saying you're lying. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... I think they both had moments where they, they shone pretty well. I think Mike Pence got his answers in on the economy pretty well. I mean, I don't have to agree with them to say that I think he landed his talking points well. Yeah. Um, he, he got that question in on the Supreme Court, which you're right, Skylar, it is completely disingenuous, but that is something that they think they want to raise that's going to roll the base. So, you know, why wouldn't they go there? Um, you know, if I was if I was advising them, I would make sure that I was going there. So, yeah. 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 I mean, I think from my point of view, as both of you, I think, have alluded to, you sort of have to look at all debates as as on two levels. There's a level of performance and then there's a level of substance. Mm -hmm. And on the level of performance, it looked I mean, if you had the sound off, it looked and if you had the sound on, but you didn't speak English, seemed exactly like a normal presidential debate. And it really made me think Donald Trump does not know how to do a normal presidential debate, right? He, you know, last week he was just deranged. He was out of it. And he thought he was doing a good thing. He thought he was playing a good game, but that's because he was playing a reality TV game. Mike Pence is a normal politician, right? He's on the far right wing of his party, but he is familiar with the rituals of politics and he knows how to conduct a debate. But if you turn the sound back up again and remember that you speak English, what was actually said was absurd. I mean, he was... It, he was he was trying to say there was a he had a whole thing where he was at the start of the debate. The moderator's first question, quite rightly, was, 
there is an ongoing pandemic, hundreds of thousands of Americans are dead. And he was trying to say that Kamala Harris was unfair to the hard work of the American people in combating the virus. I was like, no, mate. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, but, I mean, the American people have behaved with great forbearance and courage in a very, very scary time. And you have let them down, which you know perfectly well that's the argument. One that's actually on this panel right now that's actually in the United States. I, I would kind of take exception with the American people behaving well during this pandemic. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> um, here in my small Tennessee town, um, I am usually the only person out wearing a mask, um, including I went into a coffee shop the other day and even the staff was not wearing masks. Um, so, you know, they're perhaps in like places like New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, um, you know, people are taking this seriously. Um, and I don't want to say that everyone in red America is not taking it seriously. Mm. There are people who are, but uh, there does seem to be a cultural divide. And it just seems like people down here, frankly, mm. just refuse to wear masks. And I get the strangest looks out in town when I'm wearing one. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I think I, I, I dread the winner. Yeah. I, I dread. Um, but something else I do just want to point out is Emma, you know, said something I agree with, which is that uh, Trumpism, you know, is here to stay. Mike Pence shows that and that's bad for democracy. Just kind of want to point out that according to at least one Republican senator, we're not a democracy. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, they've sort of shown what it is they plan to do. They they've revealed their hand and, and they yeah. fully and to end democracy and to institute permanent minority rule. I mean, that's, you have to read between the lines to get there, but I mean, the lines are pretty. I was going to say, not by that much. much. I mean, right there, they've made clear what their intentions are. And so that is actually, Emma's 100% right. That is terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. um, It's appalling. And I mean, again, there was a, for the second time, the Trump administration was asked to confirm whether they would accept the peaceful transition of power should they lose. And once again, Mike Pence at the end of the debate refused to do so. He just said, I think we'll win. You know, the American people are behind us. I'm like, oh, wait, there are, I'm not hearing the words <laughs> that you're supposed to say right now. Um, so that was terrifying. So let me ask you both. Did you, first of all, did, have either of you seen any of the post-debate polling? Uh, bits and pieces. I, I was no. largely told as a win for Kamala, wasn't it? Yeah. It, so, it, so the polling, the, the immediate CNN post-debate polling uh, scored it a clear win for Kamala Harris. I think she was perceived as the winner of the debate by about 58, 59% of the population. Um, was that also your impression when you were watching it? Yeah, I think... Um... I think she did have the better of Pence, but not by the margin that that Biden had uh, against Trump. Yeah. Um, simply because Pence was playing the game better. Yeah. Um, but he had such a weak hand, and she had quite a strong hand. Um, yeah. You know, they have messed up the number one issue. If you're going to spend the first 20, 30 minutes of the debate on the, the pandemic, there's really very little... And, you know, that's when that's when opinions are really set is in the first 15 minutes or so. So, you know, there was really very little that Mike Pence could say that was going to please anyone because there's really (laughs) little that he's done that's pleased anyone. 
Skylar, I think I'm in uh, Trump derangement syndrome because I watch everything from a lens of so much anxiety and a conviction that I can't possibly understand what Americans are going to do. So maybe everything is worse than it seems to me. So I watch that debate thinking, I feel like she's doing well, but maybe she's not doing well enough. Maybe people won't see it. Maybe Pence looks normal enough that people will look past it. So I have this real sense of anxiety. Um, how did you perceive it? I'm glad we're having this conversation um, two days after the debate instead of the morning after because it gave me a little bit of time to process it because I kind of came out of that debate thinking the same as you, Karen, that, oh, she didn't do as well as I would have hoped. Um, in hindsight, I think, I, I think they fought it to a draw. I don't think that there was a clear winner in that debate. Um, but I also have to keep in mind that the, the Senator Harris I wanted to see um, you know, was the one in the primary debates who kind of went for the jugular. And we didn't see that really, but that's okay because this debate wasn't for me and you. We're, yeah. we're the converted, you know, we, they, they, they've got our vote. You know, Kamala Harris could punch me in the face and I'm still going to vote for them. Like, <laughs> I mean, nothing they can do. She would. <laughs> Not that she would, but she could. And if they thought but if she did punch you in the face, she'd do it so well. Like, she would land that punch. It would be very efficient. A very expert punch. But that was for people out there, for, for the handful of swing voters. And, and God help me, I can't imagine who at this point is undecided. Mm. There are people out there. Um, and that was for them. And they didn't want to see sort of aggression. Mm. Um, and go into all of the sort of you know, sexist and racist, uh, you know, connotations behind that word aggression. And I think Kamala was very, very cognizant of that. Um, but I agree that on the pandemic issue, you know, it was really hard for Pence to defend it. And the night of the debate, I thought he did a good job. And let me tell you why. When he said the hard work of the American people, and he made it sound like Senator Harris, Vice President Biden were attacking the American people for not you know, taking care of this pandemic. And I thought that's really going to be effective in places where people do feel like they've sacrificed a lot. People yeah. do feel like they've, they've suffered. And we have. We and they have, yeah. You know, but then I got to thinking, no, that's going to come back and backfire because it sounds like he's also blaming the American people because yeah. Americans aren't stupid. They're looking around and they're being like, this really sucks. Yeah. This is, we're on fire. And wait, are you saying that it's our fault? Like she's blaming us, but that means it's our fault. And so I, I kind of thought that that, that kind of strategy can backfire on them. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, just to say the elephant in the room, the president himself and his team did not take the kinds of self-protective measures that the American people have taken. You know, you talk about people in Tennessee not wearing masks. The president has to, had a party in the, in, the, in the Rose Garden and in the White House and infected half the Republican Party. Right. And I think people know that. People look around and they're like, you couldn't keep yourself safe. You clearly didn't care about keeping me safe. Don't tell me that it's on me to keep myself safe. You, you had to do something. Yeah. So... Um, I have a so I have a, a thought on this question about kind of the the debate looked like a normal debate and in some ways that feels like it weighs towards pump towards Pence because you know he can do that. There was um the five thirty eight um, website they always do a, a pre and a post debate um, poll. And their post-debate poll, it's really interesting. I've had a look at it on their website. And they, they have, they don't just ask if there's a winner or a loser. They ask how, how well would you rate the 
the each candidate in terms of the performance and then separately on policy. So I think it was really interesting because if you look at that, so Pence scored fifth, scored good on um, performance. 59.5% of people said he scored good. Harris did better. She got 69.3%. But on policies, just 44.1% of people thought Pence was good, whereas Harris was 61.7%. So like maybe I'm just being wildly overly optimistic, but to me that reads like the American people were smart enough to like recognize that he was talking nonsense and that they just don't like the ideas he's putting out. And I think we sometimes get too self def too defensive and forget that Republican Party ideas, if they're not glossed up with Trumpian showmanship are really unpopular. Like, people don't want to overturn Roe versus Wade. They don't think the, the, the pandemic's been well handled. They are worried about the economy, and they don't think tax cuts for billionaires is a great way to solve it. So, like, I think we just need to remember that, actually, it's good for them to talk about their policies. It's better for us if they have a debate where, like, they can actually get their ideas out, because nobody likes them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in many ways, Pence is worse for them in that sense because he's actually coherent about what he believes yeah um you know but what he believes is very very different from what the you know the the median american voter believes absolutely well, believes it too and he has <laughs> deeply held convictions you know i mean to give a little bit of credit to mike pence he is who he is he's not yeah. trying to fool you he's trying to pretend to be anything other than this reactionary you know very right-wing christian theocrat yeah uh donald trump, donald trump and he found a way to 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 ride you know manipulate a party to get himself to the white house donald trump i don't think donald trump cares one way or the other about roe v wade i mean i i genuinely don't yeah. I mean, although I, if I could just push back on that slightly, because obviously Mike Pence is strongly anti-abortion and, you know, he's not shy about that and said so during the debate. But he was asked what I thought was a really good question by the moderator, which was like, if your Supreme Court nominee does overturn Roe versus Wade, what do you think Indiana should do? Would you support legislation to make abortion illegal in your state? Um and he refused to answer that question, which I thought was really interesting. And I think there's a little bit of a game playing there because he knows the true answer would be wildly unpopular. Any other answer would not be credible. And his supporters, they know where he stands. So he doesn't have to say it. Right. So there's a little bit of a nod and a wink going on there. Um, so there's very interesting. He didn't seize the opportunity to to talk about what he thought should happen there. Yeah, they've got to move the country a little bit further to the right before, or at least have a firmer grasp on power before <laughs> they, you know, sausage is made completely. But yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Yeah. So, Emma, did the debate have any notable highlights for you? Did anything stand out? It wasn't a sort of like it wasn't a show stopping debate with jazz hand moments, was it? <laughs> No, it wasn't. And I don't, yeah. And I think, I think in many ways that was the right thing. You said earlier that um, Biden um, just needs to be completely cautious. And I think the same is true for, for Kamala. You know, they just needed to get through it without fall, falling over. And she did more than that. Um, but, you know, if there had been some sort of wild showstopping moment from her, it may well have backfired, particularly given all the things that Skylar was talking about in terms of the inherent racism and sexism that she would be treated with. Um, 
so it it wasn't the most fascinating 90 minutes of my life <laughs> um, and I will admit to doing uh the dishwasher in the middle of it <laughs> Emma <laughs> I did see the fly though which was really the only thing anyone was talking about the next day oh we haven't talked about the fly yet so <laughs> that fly landed on Mike Pence's hair and sat there just like chilled out for a couple minutes <laughs> It was quite extraordinary. And because he's got such white hair and it was yeah. such a black fly. <laughs> and the hair did not move. So do you think that he knew the fly was there and thought, I can't possibly swat at a fly on national TV? Or do you think that he just was completely unaware that the fly was there? I think and he... Worse. I think it's. I think he was unaware because he didn't react to it at all. And to be fair, it just landed on his hair and then sat there. So there's no like it's. It would be easy to not know, right? Like, I don't know. I feel like I know when insects land on me. <laughs> yeah, but you're not. You're not. <laughs> Mike Pence may be a robot. New theory: Mike Pence is a robot. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I don't want to go into that. I'm not mean, but his eye you know so okay so talk to me about his eye because so i've saw on twitter that everybody's talking about him having a red eye i must be honest i was watching it on my computer so it was a slightly smaller screen i couldn't really get a good look at his eye to judge whether we thought he was conjunctive or not <laughs> did you think the vice president has conjunctivitis i i didn't notice it until i saw it on twitter um same so I was kind of making a like robot lizard person joke, but I don't think Mike Pence is a robot or a lizard person for any Ben Shapiro fans who happen to be listening to this and <laughs> want to send me hateful emails. Um, uh, but I didn't notice anything until Twitter pointed it out. Uh, I hope he's fine. Pink eye sucks. Like I don't wish that on anyone. Um, coronavirus sounds even worse than pink eye. Uh, don't wish that on anyone either. So, you know, hope you're okay, Mr. Vice President. Yeah, I, ho I hope you're okay and that the fly landing was not the first uh, insect to be devolving your rotting corpse. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I just said blimey on an American podcast. That's great. We love that. That, 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 that gives you quirky British personality, Emma. Oh, That's oh. what the listeners stay for. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Okay, everyone, shall we play a round of the gut check game? Yay! Yay! Right. So, for those of you who are new to this podcast, I have in front of me uh, some bits of paper in my trusty Red Sox baseball cap into which I have put some quotes and sayings overheard on the campaign trail this week. I will pick some of them out at random. Um, in this case, of course, I have quotes from each of the two candidates um, in last week's in this week's debate. Um, I will read them out and then Emma, Skylar and I will just react and sort of check our guts and see where we're at. So first one. Um, this is a quote from Mike Pence, who says, Senator, I just asked you, stop playing politics with people's lives. The reality is that we will have a vaccine, we believe, before the end of this year, and it will have the capacity to save countless American lives. And your continuous undermining of confidence in a vaccine is just, it's just unacceptable. I mean, uh, how dare he? <laughs> how dare he? What a scumbag. God, that, that is a real Britishism for him. Very <laughs> I mean, come on, mate. Pull the other one. Who actually believes that? You know, I mean, if the president had been wearing a mask since March, 
had been, you know, really visibly leading in taking on pandemic precautions, then maybe you're allowed to say somebody else is playing politics with the pandemic and with people's lives. As it is, you are the Washington super spreaders and you do not get to take the moral high ground. God, that sounds like the like world's most like shit baseball team. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, get season tickets for the Washington super spreaders. <laughs> um... Yeah, I agree with everything Emma said. Um, I I thought that it was interesting that he, in the beginning of the debate, accused Senator Harris of uh, playing politics with people's lives and with the deaths of 210 plus thousand Americans. And then 60 minutes later, 90 minutes later, however long it was, played politics with the death of Kayla Mueller. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really stood out. I'm like, so it's not okay when she quote unquote plays politics with an ongoing national emergency mm. in which you are failing to save people's lives, but you can play politics with this poor young woman who was killed by ISIS. Yeah. Like it, it just struck me. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that whole thing, I mean, I was shouting at my television as was, I think half of the country, um, and clearly, uh, some people overseas. Uh, Blimey. <laughs> Blimey is such a good word. But yeah, I mean. Yeah, Skylar, I think you're being too kind to the vice president because I would argue he began playing politics in the following sentence, right? Stop playing politics in people's lives. And then immediately he goes, we're going to have a vaccine before the end of the year, which is not known, right? Like, be right. honest yeah. with people. No one knows we're going <laughs> we to have very few clinicians believe that there'll be even if there is a vaccine that's got to the the approval stage there will not be the 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 rollout of that vaccine until well into next year yeah exactly so he's like literally he's playing politics by lying to people um and giving them a false sense of confidence because it's in his political interest to do so um and thus you know potentially causing a lot of people to be saddened and disappointed when it doesn't happen and possibly to take a lot of risks in the meantime it's just been cataclysmic anyway what a dick Right. Um, here's another one. This is interesting. This is just a little side moment that passed really quickly that I just thought was kind of interesting. Um, I'd like your takes on this is an exchange between the moderator and, and Senator Harris. Susan Page, Kamala Harris, Senator Harris, I mean, I'm sorry. Harris, it's fine. I'm Kamala. Page, no, no, you're Senator Harris to me. I feel like there's a lot going on there. Do they like, know each other or something? I mean, they probably all do know each other, don't they? possible they know each other um but um i i find it interesting i've tried i've said kamala a few times in this discussion but i've tried to say senator harris because i've noticed that we have a habit of calling uh, female politicians by their first name um especially in the united states um so and and i don't know if that's deliberate or if i don't know if it's insulting you know kamala hillary we don't really call her Nancy. To be but... fair, Hillary, you kind of like if you say Clinton, it's not sure who which president yeah, like That's which true. president you're talking about. Well then Kamala, quite better. often that can actually be kind of a good thing, can't it? And Boris is Boris. Yeah. And you know, that that's a huge part of his brand. So it's not necessarily I mean I, I think thinking of Kamala as Kamala rather than Senator Harris probably double edged, but if what we remember from the early noughties is 
that the winner of the debate is the one you want to go for a beer with afterwards. I'd probably rather go for a beer with Kamala than Senator Harris. <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. So I would definitely rather go for a beer with Kamala than a senator. Like, <laughs> you know he's fun at, like, a bar or a barbecue or, like, homecoming, like... Homecoming's an American. Well, not but. of that kind of um, persona that she's um, that she's cultivated of yep. being that kind of um, throw your head back and laugh fun yeah. person. Yeah. And she's yeah. sort of doing that in this exchange. That's what I thought it was really interesting. There was like a whole negotiation about like, and it was slightly gendered. It was like, there's a whole negotiation about like, how do women claim respect? You know, where the Senate, where the, where the moderator, the female moderator is trying to say, no, 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 I've slipped. I accidentally called you, you know, didn't use your title. I want to give you the respect, but she's going, no, no, I'm Kamala, right? Like, I'm fine. I'm a normal person. I'm fun. Da, da, da. Like, it just felt like there's a whole... There's a whole world of kind of PhD theses in gender <laughs> politics going on behind the scenes there. I think there's also like a, a maybe not a class thing, but something about mm. power. Like, I mean, I, you know, we, we, we've done this before and I just our politicians aren't like us. Like, you know, you know, we talked about how George Bush was just a normal guy and all of this. And Bill Clinton had the common touch. None of these people are like me. Like they're all wealthy and like Ivy league or Oxbridge educated. Like, I'm sorry. Like even like, I don't have anything in common really with the upbringing of Tony Blair. Like, <laughs> you know. And I live around the corner from him. <laughs> I mean, I like Tony Blair. Like, I'm not somebody who, like, dislikes it. But come on. Like, I mean, you know, he's establishment. And so I, I, I kind of yeah, just want politicians to be honest with me about who they are. Like, you know, don't try and act like you're you're just the... And, but that's American political culture because we like to... We have no class. You know, no... But, but Kamala Harris's class coding is is kind of interesting because you know you talked about Ivy League universities. Kamala went to a great school, but it was Howard University, which is really interesting. Like yeah. a fantastic school, but a historically black university. Like not not a place that has ever produced a presidential candidate before, right? And I love that about her. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, that's true. Like Kamala has a little bit more street cred than than the you know any of our previous candidates. Certainly more than anyone on that ballot um so right next one um let's go okay so here's mike pence responding to kamala harris after he asked her a question about court packing i just want the record to reflect she never answered the question perhaps at the next debate joe joe biden will answer the question and i think the american people know the answer emma your reaction to that Joe Biden's not going to answer the question because he doesn't <laughs> <do>. <laughs> uh, And yeah, I don't know that Joe Biden himself individually will have landed on an answer to that question. Yeah. Um, there's an awful lot of pressure on him to answer it a certain way from his party. And frankly, if the Democrats take back the Senate, um, keep the House, get the White House, and the Supreme Court overrules them, I don't think the Supreme Court gets to say gets to say that it is it you know just doesn't have legitimacy. Mm. Um and therefore I th I think what Biden would probably want to do is wait for the Supreme Court to overreach and then um do something. And that would include um not just Supreme Court um packing, mm. but also things like statehood for DC. 
statehood referendum for Puerto Rico, all of the things that we've all been talking about for the last year. Of, Why didn't we do this when we had the chance? Well, we need to do those things anyway. I mean, there's a lot of this, like we just to get to work on fixing the broken political structures in our country. Like win, lose or draw, like it can never be like this again. We've, yeah. we've got to make, we've got to make like etiquette, etiquette into rules and rules into laws. Yeah. Yeah. Skylar. <laughs> Stop relying on norms because abnormal people will break them. hundred percent. Um, and, um, you know, we're not a British system, you know, where, somehow relying on norms in the UK seems to work a little bit better. Maybe, well, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. But Let me introduce you to a little concept called Brexit. Uh, <laughs> that, yeah, fair. Okay. I, I have nothing else to say on that. <laughs> I have put in my face. No, um, there's, there's, there's an open wound. You've just poured some lemon juice on there is all yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, or, uh, Emma, you make a good point though, that, you know, it's, it's, he's damned if he answers and he's damned if he doesn't. Um, so it, he's probably better just to say, well, no, he's damned if he answers either way. So he's either going to alienate the left of his party, people like me who are like pack the damn courts, yeah. but, you know, or he's going to alienate swing voters who, you know, are a little bit more small C conservative about any sort of changes to the makeup of our federal government. And so not answering is probably the best answer that they can give at this point. Yeah. And I think I think that Joe Biden probably doesn't know himself because I think personally he's against it because Joe Biden is small C conservative as well. Um, not like politically conservative, but sort of, you know, he's a very, he's an institutionalist. He's, you know, somebody who, who really believes in the norms and traditions of the United States government. Um, so I can't see that he is going to be personally in favor of it, but I think that's going to be hard to, resist the political pressure yeah so so i i have a lot of thoughts on this i have an i have an analysis of this which i think is like i find weirdly encouraging um and it's it's this joe biden during the primary when he was competing for democratic party votes had absolutely no problem at that time saying that he did not support court packing now he won't answer the question that's interesting right Mm -hmm. like if he does, still didn't support it, it would be really easy for him to say, I don't support it. So I think one of two, a few different things are probably all happening at once, right? One, um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is dead and there is a live Supreme Court nomination that we are trying to use every every ounce of political power and pressure that we have to avoid. And he needs, he needs the threat and he needs it to be a credible threat. One. Two, um, he may now think that it is politically or like in terms of power structure useful to 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 at least have that as a as an option and it may be something we need to do but i think to your point emma he probably doesn't know yet what his policy is going to be because the situation is changing and crucially he doesn't know what the senate is going to look like after the election because it's the whole point is moot and academic um if we unless we get not only control of the senate but like the senate kind of needs to look the right kind of way because Joe Biden, one of his great political strengths is managing coalitions within his own party. And so he is going to need to like he can't just say, even if he wanted to, which he probably doesn't. But even if he wanted to, he couldn't just come out and say, I support expanding the court because now he's in conflict with Joe Manchin. Right. 
that's the last thing he needs to be doing before the before the election. So I think it's very interesting that he's played things exactly as he would need to play them if the plan was, let's get past the election, let's look at what happened with the Supreme Court, let's look at the Senate, and then, if it's possible, let's start a negotiation amongst my colleagues in the Senate, and let's figure out what's the right way forward. And, you know, it might be, like, my thinking is a better, the right approach might be to go into the Senate, not with a just court packing, but actually with like a solution for the Supreme Court, a a longer term solution, because, you know, Skyler, your your boy Pete Buttigieg had had an interesting plan. There are a lot of plans around for how we could reshape the court, not just to solve the problem of its current partisanship under this this specific set of circumstances, but like lifetime points make no sense. And I think it's time that we start thinking about that. So there are lots of things we can look at. Anyway, so I'm just saying, I feel weirdly optimistic about the fact that he didn't just shut it down because he shut down lots of other things liberals wanted. Yeah, yeah. Right? He's yeah. in the debate. He's like, I'm not going to be, you know, I, he made clear and Kamala made clear, I'm not going to, they're not going to ban fracking. They're, the Green New Deal is not their plan. They have a different climate plan. Like, the, you know, on, on law enforcement, you know, he's still supportive of, of law enforcement, even though he wants serious reform, blah, 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 blah. But on this one, he didn't do that. So I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Um, I think everything you said makes sense that, you know, this is a moot point if we don't have the right makeup of the Senate and, you know, Joe Biden isn't new at this. He knows what it takes to get something of this magnitude through Congress and, and to sell it with the American people, because I mean, it's all, it's all moot if we don't have the popular support of the U S population. But I also think that they're playing a game of shrewd politics right now, which is focuses on Amy Coney Barrett. Yep. As it should be. Yeah, as it should be. And she is an incredibly unpopular choice. Not personally. I don't think Americans have any sort of hostile or, you know, feelings or one way or the other. Politically, you know, she she has these really horrible positions. People think the next president should be the one who who fills that seat. Uh, the American people see the unfairness in what Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump have done. And so why take attention from that? <laughs> and move it on to a very controversial, even within the Democratic Party, a very controversial position uh, of court packing. Now, I, I, I think we should, and I hope we will, and I'll be pushing tooth and nail to get it done. But, you know, I am but one. <laughs> right. Let's do another one. Uh, here well, is should, and I'm not even a one because I don't count in America. <laughs> <laughs> you count. You matter, but your vote does not. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I can't give you any money, however often you send me emails. So it's... <laughs> right, here's one from Kamala Harris. She says, we now know Donald Trump owes and is in debt for $400 million. And just so everyone is clear, when we say in debt, it means you owe money to somebody. And it'd be really good to know who the President of the United States, the Commander-in-Chief, owes money to because the American people have a right to know what is influencing the president's decisions. Yeah. Yeah. I'm spot on. I can't really add anything to that. She's quite right. We Nailed it. Um, but we can all have fairly strong suspicions. Um, you know, there's a, there's an awful lot of stuff that makes more sense if you think, oh, he probably owes him a favor. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think Hillary Clinton made it very clear that the money coming through Deutsche Bank is probably being laundered from Russia. And I mean, you know, that's not surprising to anyone who's been paying attention for the last four or five years. Um, We all sort of 
there were no real surprises in his tax returns. I mean, that's the thing that, that, that I keep coming back to is that his tax returns look almost exactly how I would have imagined they yeah. looked. Which uh, is still really bad. Like, that's the thing. It's still really, really <laughs> bad. I'm not saying that it's not. What I would say is the only It's just thing that the expectations were so low. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not a tax attorney by any stretch, so I don't want to go into whether he's doing anything legal or illegal. What I will say is that having worked in the mortgage industry in the United States for nearly a decade, I spent a lot of time looking at tax returns. Mm -hmm. And the write-offs that he does um, are not unusual. The sort of... Mm -hmm that he he incurs or the you know or that he finds and the, the the business losses that he incurs that's par for the course and a lot of a lot of business owners are doing this and when I say business owners I mean everyone from the person who owns the little mom and pop shop that you go to yeah. downtown to people who are owning multinational corporations and it is unfair and so that is the conversation that we need to be having is the yeah. broad tax structure and how unfair that is to yeah everyday Americans. The fact that a job tax attorney even exists whose sole purpose is to make you pay less tax, you know, that's a problem. You know, there should be nobody who can help you avoid tax. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, I think that she's right. I want to know who he owes money to because it's a national security issue. Yeah. I mean, it's used to work in national security, um, funnily enough. And she tells a story about how she bought a stereo and she took out a credit card to do it. And she had the highest security clearance that she could possibly have. And her boss came to her and said, we've got a problem. You have a credit card with a stereo on it. You have to pay this off now. Like, that's how seriously the national security apparatus takes debt. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the president of the United States is like a, a back door into top-level security clearance for people with who don't deserve it, right? Like... That's another thing that we've really realized. Like tr Donald Trump could never get a security clearance. Never. Jared Kushner couldn't get a security clearance. Like they had to fake his security clearance for a long time and give him this provisional insurance clearance and all that kind of stuff because like he just didn't pass any of the background checks. But when you elect someone straight into, you know, he's straight in there. <laughs> so, yeah, I was glad Kamala raised the point that he's the president is hugely in debt. The bills on those debts are coming due in the next couple of years. And he does not have the money. He does not have the cash to pay these people back. So um, where's that going to come from? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. <sighs> right. <laughs> it's a scary, weird world. <laughs> How many days is it left? <laughs> <sighs> uh, and we may or may not be getting together for the next debate. Who knows? I mean, it's such a, it's so weird. How everything is so weird. Or debates. Let's do let's do a Mike Pence quote. Here is one sentence that he spoke that had me just about shouting at my screen. This is a president who respects and cherishes all of the American people. I mean, that's <laughs> literally untrue. <laughs> obviously not true. I mean, he yeah he. This is the man who distinguished between the red states and the blue states. And they've always, oh, if you took the blue states out, we'd be doing really well on coronavirus. Right. Like, you're supposed to be the president of everybody. Like, once you get elected, you bring the country together and you are the president of everybody. And he just is not that guy. He's not even the president of most of the Republican Party. He's the president of Donald Trump. Yeah, I mean, Donald Trump only cares about himself. I mean, that's been painfully clear to all of us throughout the last five years. I mean, I'm not even sure. Well, yeah, he only cares about himself. You know, I'm not sure that he even really cares about his kids all that much other than Ivanka. Mm. 
some creepy reasons for that. Uh, but like, <laughs> I, I blame the man, not me. <laughs> oh, I do, I do. <laughs> you know, I mean, to say that he cares about all of us, I haven't felt cared for in the last four years. And the point that I make to people is I, I was a very vocal opponent of the George Bush administration. Like my first political action was an anti-war protest in 2003 uh, when I was 17 years old. I bitterly, bitterly campaigned against him. Um, I never thought for a minute that I couldn't trust the federal government under George W. Bush. I never questioned whether I could trust the CDC. Yeah. I never, I did kind of question some of the intelligence agencies because of the Dodge dossier, but you know, that was about it. I mean, I, and even then I kind of took it as a good faith mistake. Mm. Not as something that was deliberately constructed. I never really bought into the sort of narrative on the left that they lied to us so that they could go to war for oil. I, it, it, and I still don't. I don't think there's any evidence that that's what happened. I think they were just incompetent. But um, I never trusted his good intentions mm. or I never doubted his good intentions. And I never doubted that I could trust independent agencies like the EPA or the CDC or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I never doubted reality. Mm. The way that Donald Trump has made me question everything. I mean, when Kamala Harris said, you know, that she wouldn't take a vaccine if Donald Trump said it was safe, I'm right there with you, sister. I'm not <laughs> taking the only person who says it's safe is Donald bleeding Trump. Like, that's oh. not happening. Yeah. Like, Mr. Inject bleach in your veins. Right. right. <laughs> Shot. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, that, so he is completely diminished and just trust the American people have. And the institutions which are there to uh, protect us, you know, yeah. Food Drug Administration, you know, I mean, I don't trust the thing that they're saying at this point because yeah. they're they back them all with 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 Trump acolytes. So, yeah, he's he's dismantled the functioning federal government almost entirely. Although I will say just to give you a quick like quick fact check on your history lesson there, um, I completely agree with most of what you're saying about George W. Bush. I would call out, though, that the Federal Emergency, federal Emergency Management Association, FEMA, um, was under the Bush administration was, you know, was headed by a Bush appointee who had previously been the head of the International Racehorse Federation, had no qualifications in federal emergency management. And when Katrina hit, a lot of people died needlessly because their response was terrible. So, and I would, I would just call that like a precursor to the Trumpian way of doing things, right? Like, because it was already starting to be a thing that Republican presidents would just hand sweetheart positions in the federal government to their mates who had been big run fundraisers for them. And that's exactly what happened there. Anyway, yes. it used to what? be we just give them ambassadorships. Yeah, just give them ambassadorships. <laughs> Last one, and then we'll wrap up. I have to call out this one. Uh, this is Kamala Harris um, repeatedly throughout the debate saying, Mr. Vice President, I am speaking. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was well done because she did it with a smile in her voice and a smile on her face. So it was never kind of angry, which is obviously that awful trope that she was trying to clearly trying to avoid. But she was firm. Um, she showed leadership uh, and she showed presence. And I think I, I I think and I think the polling bears it out that it worked for her. Yep. Nailed it. Skylar? I hope every man in America was paying very close attention to what was happening and the dynamics of that debate, because I feel I really felt for American women who were watching it because I, I, I could just see how many of them were sort of nodding along and thinking, I've been through this in my own office. Um, and I think 
as men, we often do have this sort of unconscious uh, habit of sometimes conscious, maybe, but often unconscious, but sometimes just being a dick uh, of talking over women or of taking credit for their ideas in the workplace. And I hope that this opens a broader conversation outside of politics about the way that men treat women in society and in the workforce and in professional environments, in the home, wherever. Um, and I have consciously tried to make a point not to talk over either of you. And I hope that more men, I hope I've done that. And I hope that more men will consciously try to make sure that they are not talking over women the way that the vice president talked over Senator Harris, because that was really, really uncomfortable to watch. And that was really, really frustrating. And Mm. I don't think that he came off as anything but smug to many, many Americans, both women and men. Like, Yeah, I will say, I think Kamala Harris did a fantastic job. I think she is a very controlled and capable person who knows exactly what she's doing and how to put herself across. And I think I'm sure that she practiced really well and really carefully how to present herself. And I'm sure that she practiced in being interrupted a whole bunch. I remember Pete Buttigieg was playing the role of Mike Pence uh, in their debate preparation um, because he knows uh, Pence really well from their time working together in Indiana. Um, I'm sure that she, you know, she, she's been interrupted by Pete Buttigieg enough times that she knew how to be interrupted by Mike Pence. So well done, Mayor Pete, for your good prep work there. <laughs> Emma, Skyler, thank you so much for your, for your time today. I don't know if we're going to have a debate next next week or not, but stay tuned, kids. <laughs> same bat time, same bat channel. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks, thank Kevin. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's it. As always, you can reach me on Twitter. I'm at KarenJR. That's K-A-R-I-N-J-R on Twitter. If you haven't yet voted, um, please, please do <laughs> get those ballots in. If you're voting early or absentee, um, then the the sooner the better. Um, it doesn't doesn't bear thinking about if your ballot should arrive too late. Um, make sure that your ballots are in. If you want to vote in person, that's also great. Just make sure you've got a plan. You've sorted out how you want to do it. Um, if you're an American abroad and you want to sort out your absentee ballot, it's vote for abroad.org. If you're an American back home, the website you want is vote.org. I should also mention that this this podcast has its own Act Blue donation page. I will put the link in the show notes, but it's actblue.com slash donate slash democratically. The donations go, go to the Biden campaign as well as to the top seven uh, competitive Senate districts, um, Senate races, and to the uh, flippable states race uh, fund for down ballot races. Uh, please donate. Your money goes a long way in all of these races and uh, it's one one of the many important ways that you can help. Uh, I should let you know that this podcast is not affiliated with any other organization or entity. It is just me and I wish you a very happy week. Mm-hmm.